as we embark upon a new start, a new year, this third Sunday of 2022, many of us will contemplate changes that we want to make, areas of improvement that we may want to address in our lives, a new start, something new that we want to begin in this new calendar year. Oftentimes, we make new commitments, set new goals in the beginning of a new year in various categories of our lives. I trust that we have or will also give some consideration to spiritual goals as well. In our text for the day, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, chapter, chapter 1, rather, verses 1 through 11, uh, Peter offers excellent insights to Christian living. I would encourage us to put in place for our goals of this new year that we also consider a goal or two centered around Christian living. I submit to you today that what the world needs more, I know it was the great singer that said was love, sweet love, and that's true. But I believe that we need a lot more Christian living in our society today. Now once we decide to focus on positive Christian living goals, there will be elements along the way that will either positively or negatively impact the goal set before us. The same is true for any goals that we set. For the day, however, I want to speak in the form of this subject, three elements that impact Christian living. Three elements that impact Christian living. Here, here's, here's what I'm saying. There are elements, and this term elements refers to the situation that occurs. And then there's the impact. Impact means a strong effect or something on someone or something. <clears throat> and that is how the situation affects our state of mind as it relates to the goal that we're trying to achieve. Peter says in this text that God has given us by his divine power, and I make emphasis on this word or this phrase divine power, for God is divine and for God is powerful. He says, by his divine power has given us everything we need for godly life. How? Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Peter's is saying that everything, not some things, but everything that we need for successful Christian living has already been provided. To be a Christian is to be Christ-like. And to be Christ-like is to live by the examples 
uh, fundamentals, the rudiments of first principles, if you will, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. However, as we try to live a Christian life, we travel through different situations along the way, different circumstances. Sometimes when we do our very best, evil just shows up and presents a challenge to our course. But how we respond can make all the difference in the world. Living as a Christian does not mean that we will not have elements on this side of life that impacts our ability and our desire to live as Christians. In fact, Paul says to the young Timothy, the young evangelist Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 12, that everyone who wants to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. When one is persecuted, it brings about a type of suffering. And suffering is an element that impacts Christian living. I believe that all who confess the name of Christ do in fact want to be an upright, standing tall Christian, want to do the right thing. I don't believe that any of us set our course in life when we begin to take this journey, set our course to fail. But as we travel along the way, life offers her challenges. Life has her ups and life has her downs, her trials and tribulations. Life has a way of sometimes making you stay up all night, causing tears to flow from your eyes sometimes, sadness in your hearts, feeling the pain at that moment. You begin to wonder and think to yourself, how long will the night last? I'm sad and I'm lonely. I'm hurting. So I'm just wondering how long will the light last? Have you experienced that before? Have you ever deal with a situation that weighs so heavy on your heart, you just wonder how much longer, Lord? And if you have not experienced nighttime in your life yet, count your blessings. But when nighttime comes, remember the words of David when he said in the third division of the book of Psalms in verse number five, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. So in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of challenges, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. So it will not last. So stay the course and hold on. So I just want you to know this morning that if we live as Christians, difficult times are going to come in our lives. But do not despair. Remember what Jesus said in the 11th chapter of the book of Matthew, Matthew uh, verse number 28, come to me, all who are weary and all who are burdened, give you rest. As I think about elements that impact Christian living, the idea of suffering around difficult times, I'm reminded of a biblical character. And you know the story of Job. I believe that the story of Job is recorded in the Bible so that those of us who live close to God today 
When suffering time comes, we can read about Job and therefore find renewed hope and encouragement. Let me remind you of the story of Job. Job, a man, a man, one of God's people, with problems, great pain, and many calamities. You see, Job was a man who was perfect. Job was a man who was upright. The Bible says that he feared God and shunned evil. That is to say that he persistently avoided or rejected evil. But Job, even though he had an upright relationship with God, he dealt with elements that impact his desire to live a godly life. He was stripped of his wealth. He was stripped of his children, stripped of his own health. And finally, he was stripped of his partner in love and faith, the support of his wife. One day she looked at him. When he's down and he's hurting and he's painful, he's dealing with pain and he's dealing with agony. And she said, Job, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Job said to his wife, you speak like a foolish woman. You see, Job's commitment was to God. And Job knew that whatever he dealt with on this side of life, that things were going to be all right as long as he kept his hand in the hand who holds the future. Job's wife failed to understand. She failed to understand him. When he said what he said in the chapter 1 of verse number 21 of that book, when he said, naked I came into the world, or from my mother's womb as it were, and naked I will depart, the Lord gave it, and the Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where I find myself relating to these words. And I have different things that may be on my mind, that may be infecting my thought process. And I have to take a moment, and I think about Job, and I say to myself, the Lord give it, and the Lord take it away. And in the midst of difficulties, when I can conjure that thought in my mind, it relieves some of the pain that I'm feeling at that time. Because what I'm trying to say is let's trust the Lord in the midst of difficulties. And remember the story of Job. When suffering time comes, let us be like Job and just understand that we serve a God who is living. We serve a God who is eternal. I understand that our human frailty does not allow us sometimes to think in a fashion that will help us get through some difficult times. But I just stopped by to tell you that we serve a God who will. We serve a son of that God who will stand with us and who will help us. You see, when we look to Jesus, we have access to the Father through him. We have access through him through the Father, according to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 18. We are the children of God. We are the children of God through, the, through his, our relationship with Jesus Christ. So you see, when we look to Jesus, we can get through trouble and we can get through trials and tribulations because with Jesus, all things are possible. Be assured this morning that with Jesus out of a troubled world, peace will come. Sometimes it's difficult to see, but stay the course. With Jesus out of darkness, light will come. Out of the laws of time, the gain of eternity. 
Out of the weakness of the hour comes the strength to hold on to God's unchanging hand. With Jesus out of a cross is coming a crown. When suffering comes, remember Job and keep your eyes on Jesus. Can I get an amen, church? Another element that impacts Christian living is the element of worrying. Worrying, worrying usually is followed after suffering. Why? Because when most things are going well, um, we're likely not to worry. When things are in order, things are going well. But when trouble time comes, we tend to worry. You see, a child does not worry about anything because a child has full confidence and full belief in his or her parents. And also, they have not experienced any of those things that we experience along the road of life that will cause one to worry. Oh, but when we're all grown up, as it were, and have experienced or have witnessed tragedies and difficulties in life, we have a tendency to worry. But as Christians, we must learn to trust Jesus and to do what we can to rid ourselves of worry. Just as a child, or just as children, trust their parents. Rather than worrying about their well-being, maybe we should develop that same-like attitude because we are the children of our Heavenly Father through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now think about that for a moment. Do you suppose in Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 and following, where the disciples asked Jesus a question? And the question was, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus called the little child in the midst of him and the disciples. And then he placed that child there and he told them, truly, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never in the, enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you suppose in this text, in conjunction with being meek and humble, Jesus was perhaps also communicating the need to trust him and to trust his father as children trust their parents on this side of life. Have you ever thought about that? What did he really mean when he said, except you become like these little children, you in no wise can in inherit the, the kingdom of earth, of the world, of heaven rather. But, but what I'm trying to focus on and emphasize here is that we have a father through our relationship in Jesus Christ. And after all, we are his children. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 1, if you need a little bit more to help substantiate that point, see what great love the father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And the Bible says, and that is what we are. Worrying is something we as individuals decide to do. But listen, 
to what Jesus says in the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew, beginning at verse number 27. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? In other words, when we worry about a given situation, we cannot change it, we cannot eliminate it, or affect the outcome in any way. So what's the use of worrying about it? I know and I clearly understand that this is easier said than done. I know it's difficult. We're human beings. We are, we are fallible. And I know that it is difficult. But I am reaching out to you today from the Word of God to say that if we have a particular focus as we journey through life, we have help along the way. And it's help that's built on a solid foundation. It's a help that is built on a death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is help that gives us forgiveness of our sins. It is help that stays with us as we travel through this life. Amen? Psychologists say that worrying is one of the main enemies of good mental and emotional health. Yet worrying continues to be a universal problem. In our society, among people, we worry about everything. We worry about our children, worry about our finances, worry about our health, worry about our jobs, mistakes we've made in the past, and we worry about problems in the future. The educated worry because they know so much, while the uneducated worry because they know too little. The young worries because they're not yet old, and then the old worries because they're no longer young. The rich worries because they have so much. The poor worry because they have so little. Everybody is worrying about one thing or another. But as Christians, we are robbed spiritually when our hearts are full of worry. Therefore, we should take heed and do what we can to rid ourselves of worry. I suggest to you today, first, we must let go of the past. Let go of the past. Let it go. Least I be misunderstood. I, I'm not saying that we don't remember the past. For sure we should remember the past. We should remember the past for our learning. And we should remember the past for improvements toward our future. But live for the present and what's ahead. This was one of the principles that guided the Apostle Paul's life. Paul said in the book of Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 13, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which were behind or are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. You see, when we study Paul and his journey, Paul had a lot of things in his past life that, that could have driven him crazy if he had dwelled upon it. All that he did, persecuting the Lord's church, he was a witness to those who stoned Stephen to death for following Jesus in Acts chapter 7. Paul wasn't always the same Paul that he, that he became after that experience on the Damascus Road. He had a past, and his past had a lot of things that were against the Savior of the world as opposed to for the Savior of the world. But when Paul made that change, he left the past and looked to the future and maintained his commitment to Jesus Christ. When we make a change and we decide to follow Jesus, let's let the past go. Yes, memory, we don't forget. 
We don't forget bad things. We don't forget things that happened to us. We, we don't forget. But it's a matter of how we utilize that memory for our presence and for our future. And therefore, Paul said, I proclaim a new idea, for I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ, Philippians 3.14. You see, because he did not dwell in the past, he was able to move forward to a brighter future. Church, if we're holding on to the past, let it go and press on toward a brighter future. And then when we come to the end of each day, go to God in prayer and say, Father, you gave me this day. I have done the best I can do. And if I've made any mistakes that I'm not aware of, Father, please forgive me. And if I've won any victories, Father, I give you thanks. Help me, Lord, to not worry about the things that I cannot do anything about. Nor will I worry about tomorrow. Because I remember, Lord, what you said in your word in Matthew verse number four, the sixth chapter. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, there is nothing wrong with planning for the future. In fact, it is a wise thing to do. However, in the process, keep your trust in the one who holds the future, and then everything will be all right. Are you with me? Let me share a few words about another contributor to worrying. Church, we must accept the fact that different, different people have different talents and different degrees of ability. Whatever talent you have, it is to your advantage to develop that talent rather than useless, uselessly worrying over a talent that perhaps you don't have. We're on the road toward inner peace and contentment when we accept ourselves as we are. Listen, this does not mean, of course, that we stop growing. It doesn't mean, of course, of course, that if we desire to achieve a particular outcome, we work toward a goal. That, that's not what I'm talking about. We always should grow, and we should always continue to develop and improve at every opportunity. That's, that's part of life. We, we, we do that, and we should do that. But do not worry about who you are not. That's, that's the problem. Someone once said, I found, I found real happiness when I stopped trying to be like everybody else and just learn to be myself. Fanny Crosby, writer of several of our songs and Christian hymn books, blind at six years of age, stated the following, I am the happiest soul living. If I had not been deprived of my sight, I would never have received so good of an education, nor cultivated so fine a memory, nor have been able to do good to so many people. You see, she could have been bitter about her blindness, worried about not being able to see, 
But her own mental attitude made the difference. And it is your own mental attitude that will make the difference for you. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 27, 23, and verse number 7, as a man thinking in his heart, so is he. And I believe that's true. We are what we think. Therefore, our world will never be any different unless we think differently. The final point of my message today, three elements that impact Christian living, is the element of faith. The element of faith. If you want to make it through suffering and not worry, then you must develop and maintain a solid foundation of faith. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see, according to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 1. The Bible goes on to say in that same chapter, in verse number 6, that without faith it is impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who honestly seek him. To please God, one must have faith. Without it, it is impossible. But with the word of God, we can develop a sure foundation of faith. Because faith, according to Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17, comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. God has given us a plan whereby we all can be saved. Where we can have faith in God, which will help us get through suffering and diminish our desire to worry. With a strong faith, we learn to trust God, hold on to his unchanging hand. If we want to have a holding on relationship with God, then we must be a Christian according to a degree of understanding of his word. We do not have all the answers for every question, nor do we need to, for God's grace is sufficient. However, as we come to a degree of understanding, we must act upon the message of God. Listen to Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse number 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I receive, I pass on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he, raised, he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Jesus also said, if you believe who he is, then it's important to acknowledge him. Listen to his words in Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 32. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father, which is in heaven. Acts 2.38 says, Repent and be baptized, everyone in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Why is this necessary? Because Luke tells us, unless you repent, you too will perish. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and come short to the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Without faith, we cannot be recipients of the promise. But with an obedient faith, 
We can become and be a child of God and therefore beneficiaries of the promise. Let me close a reading once again our lesson text. And as you contemplate spiritual goals for 2022, think on this text and what it says. For the Bible says, God through his divine power has given everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Though these, through these, rather, he has given us very great and so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will not stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The message is yours, applied to your own hearts. If you're not a Christian, be one today by faith in Jesus Christ. The beauty about this journey is as we move along the way and as we deal with difficult times and, and as we maybe lose sight of the goal and we make mistakes, we can just get on our knees and look up to heaven and pray to the Father and say, Father, forgive me. I went astray. But my commitment is to you, and I want to move in that direction. Wash away my sins and help me to do that. And God stands ready. God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. As we impart upon this year, think on these things. If you're subject to the Master's invitation, give God your heart and give me your hand and we'll help you in whatever way we can. Let us together stand and sing the song of encouragement.